what's up youtube boxing family it's k right here i'm back at it once again with another fighter on the list today we got miss uh, viviana ruiz coming out of uh, good old australia but um i'm gonna just let her take it over and just explain who she is so first questions okay. first have you been to boxing and yeah just uh, just explain everything <laughs> ah okay um well, thank you for having me on your YouTube channel. Um, so, yes, I'm a professional boxer. I have over eight fights as a pro. Uh, I'm ranked with the WBC, WBA, um, IBF, and the IBO. Um, I'm number one on the flightweight division in Australia, I'm ranking 29 in the world, so on box rec but number seven in the IBF. Um, yeah, and I box um, in Australia, but uh, I'm originally from Colombia, so I have a few fights. Um, a few, I had the WBC Latin American belt, and uh, I went to Colombia, and I competed there too. So, yeah, representing both countries with pride. <laughs> with pride. Okay. Um uh, this is off topic, but I got Puerto Rican bloodline. But I just want to know what's your favorite food in in uh, Colombia? Oof. Well, <laughs> it's so hard. the The best thing that I love is platanos, fried like the fried platano. Oh, we have it all the time for lunch, dinner. Um, it's the best and bread. Um, I think the pastries back home are completely different from any other place. So I really love that. Any kind of pastry, I'm crazy for it. <laughs> love it. My favorite. What about you, Puerto Rican? Um, oh. Yeah, um, I mean, like, I never met, like, my biological grandfather who's from Puerto Rico, but um, I've been raised, like, around, like, my non-biological grandfather who was also from Puerto Rico. But um, I'd probably say, like, top three favorites as far as, like, food-wise would be empanadas um i love uh, bacalito or uh, bacala um and i probably say mm, i would say at least platanos or if i want to maybe switch it up i could i could probably go with maybe possibly acapuria possibly Ooh. yeah yeah it's it's so hard to pick to be honest um colombian food is so diverse because um, we had different uh, weathers around the country. Um, so you have access to different vegetables, fruit, fish, meat, like it's everywhere. So depending on the place that you are in the city, then you have a delicious meal all the time. So it depends how you feel <laughs> on that day. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I'd probably say Colombian coffee is probably by far one of, like, my favorites, you know, compared to, you know, American coffee, like, I think, I think Colombian coffee and Puerto Rican coffee and probably Mexican coffee are, like, the top favorites. Yeah, but to be honest, when you're in Colombia, you don't get the quality that overseas, um, people from overseas get like we get the normal coffee um but yeah definitely it's so much smoother it's lovely yeah i love that too <laughs> great coffee 
Um, I was also going to say, if you ever try any good, you know, Puerto Rican food, um, you got to try uh, gandulas and uh, try out, um, I think it's called like a, I don't know what they call it out there, but I think it's called like a jibarro. I think I think it's called like a jibarito, right? Like it's like basically like it's like a plantano sandwich mixed with like meats and fruits and vegetables, but it's uh, but it's like really good. Like I don't know how exactly it's made, but I of uh, like uh, but I've been seeing it, you know, in like several um I guess like food articles, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I need to give it a try. I, I haven't heard of it. Um but it sounds delicious. Anything with plantano? <laughs> it's so so good. Yeah, um, I was going to ask about boxing, like, as far as, like, how you got into it, like, did you, did you have any other career focus before this, or? No, so I moved from Colombia, um, I actually, today is my 14th year anniversary of being in Australia, I moved 14 years ago, and I just moved to have a very quality of life, um, like most of the people from South America try to do. Um, so there was a big opportunity and just decided to move here. And I only started boxing because I was really feeling lonely. Like I imagine your family being in South America and you also have huge family. So like your aunties, uncles, cousins, you're going to parties all the time with them, celebrating this, celebrating that. Everything is with your family. Um, so moving to a completely different country with a, with a big, big change that mentally was affecting me. And I also have a little bit of a background of uh, drinking a lot. Um, so I was drinking way too much, not doing what I was supposed to be doing, which is finding a better way to help my family back home um so I just was walking on the streets and I found a gym that it was called fight gym and I did the first class and I fall in love um just punching things are awesome <laughs> and then they just asked me if I want to have a fight and like six months later I was having my first fight in 2015 and then um yeah uh I fought as an amateur. I had over 60 fights as an amateur. Um, I represented Australia in the Women's World Championships, um, in Spain. I've been around the world. So, yeah, it's really good. Never done anything before that. But, yeah, that's how it started. Wow, that's a pretty interesting story. Um, I find it really interesting that a lot of females, especially like the ones that I've been talking with over like, the past couple of years they always tell me that i was never good at any other sports but just naturally out of nowhere boxing just magically makes them better and compared to like actual fighters that i do talk to that have been doing it forever they tell me like you know i had other plans you know to do other than boxing but boxing was just brought into the family and that's where you kind of do see like you know some good generational talents here and there but I think it's just more to do with like discipline too, because it's like, if you're like really that good naturally and you put them, you know, about the time and effort to be great, then yeah. honestly, nothing can really stop you because, you know, that's what makes, you know, certain athletes, you know, into uh, potential, you know, all time great figures. Yeah, that's very true. Like I've found that 
people that had started as a young age um, are very lucky to have the opportunity to start the sport really early and enjoy the uh, how amazing the sport is itself. But something like boxing in Colombia wasn't seen at all. Like even the males fighters, there were only a few. Like obviously, um, the Colombia doesn't. You can't really. Um, I, like go anywhere if you do any sport, whatever it means. It's only a few and it's people with money. Um, whereas when you go to another country such as Australia, like I didn't have any experience or anything and I was able to get to where I am because of the country, the opportunity the country gave me. But yeah, like, um, yeah, the boxing is so amazing that people that can enjoy it from the beginning, oof. They're really lucky. <laughs> yeah, um, I was even going to, you know, probably, you know, use another example for basketball. Um, I know Australia, uh, they've been competing pretty well in basketball, but the average Australian that gets into basketball can easily ticket themselves into the NBA faster. And prior years before that, Australia was never known for basketball, but just out of nowhere when they started competing in the Olympics and started going up against top tier teams, you know, I, they actually produce, you know, a good market for the, you know, for the, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, um, like as far as like that point of like, uh, like, like of what you brought up, um, that actually helps athletes grow faster because if you didn't have a path back then, but, but, uh, but that new opportunity gave you the economic incentive to get up to that level okay. that actually does benefit you because, you know, that just shows that anybody can be successful if they put like, um, if they put their, um, um, like, like basically, uh, dedication and, uh, um, and, uh, mindset to it. Yeah. 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 That, that's hundred percent true. Like if the opportunities arise, then you have to be dedicated, strong mindset, yeah, the same way that when I moved here, I, I didn't speak any English at all. And I just moved, like, yeah, a better change. And I just moved without speaking any English. It was really hard. No English, no family, lots of debt back home. But that mindset and dedication, I feel like I'm always been that person where, where I put my mind and just go for it. And for example, at the moment, my mind is on a world title. So I'm just like working my ass towards it. <laughs> but yeah, anything that you put your mindset, you just have to go with it. And it's a lot of ups and downs. And you will be sad. Things won't work your way. Sometimes you will feel alone. That nothing is working, even though you're working hard. But you have to stay on that lane and things would work out. Like, even if you don't achieve that exact goal, better things would come by discipline and mindset, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it seems like that's the core benefactor for anything in life. Um, I just think, uh, honestly, when it comes down to it, if you're not willing to put your sacrifices in now compared to later, then that does play like a massive burden for anything that does come up in the future but uh i think that's really important as far as that core benefactor for any successful um athlete that does compete at the high level yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah that's very true especially 
because I started really late. I was 32, 32 years old when I started. And everyone was like, well, literally you're too old. And I, I completely understand. So I had to speed my process. I haven't had time to like just sit down and chill um, from the beginning after I found my, have my first fight. I just compete all the time against anyone in the country just because I know I didn't have the time to like, oh, have six months, enjoy this. And that's one of the reasons why also I went to Colombia last year because I also professional boxing started at 38. What can you do? So I was just like, no, nope, I gotta go somewhere. So I went back home. In four months, I have four fights, four titles without any team support, any money support. So yeah, you gotta make it happen. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because um, I think the biggest key takeaway and like today's political climate in boxing is that matchmaking is really terrible. Management is really, really bad in certain avenues and just having, you know, about the proper team around you. Um, I could even say that with uh, certain fighters that I've known, um, like, like, uh, like I would say like, like, for example, like I probably say, hmm. I probably say for like, uh, of, like for fighters, like, um, like, um, I'll use like uh, Bobby Chacon or uh, maybe fighters like Manny Pacquiao or anybody at that level. Like those guys were good, but you see that the level of how far that they had to, you know, sacrifice to get up there, um, it didn't really help their health as far as like a long term like effect because those fighters that end up allowing people to take control of their careers, they don't end up either being very successful as far as having like a good long-term health uh, to yeah. proceed, you know, with like um, living with like their lives. And then uh, financial opportunities are usually taken away sooner than later. And therefore they're having to struggle. Yeah. Well, I think one of the issues as well is to jump into boxing, think pursuing money. Um, I know obviously we all, sacrifice and work really hard and obviously all those efforts should be paid off but you can't just jump on the sport thinking i'm gonna become a millionaire or i'm gonna get paid this much or be yeah i think um you have to go into the sport to show that you're one of the best and you have to fight that way and yeah entertain show you work and then I think the money will come. Like any business, it's not just boxing. Any business, you have to put the, the hard work, the no money, the hours, the sacrifice, and then things will come around. But yeah. Yeah, um, I was even going to say, uh, I think I think it's like more important that, you know, uh, the more conversations that us fans have with fighters that do want to make changes, I think I think that would also, you know, help the um, like 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 help awareness spread a lot higher because I think that's not the bigger issue. Like not uh, like um not a lot of people want to talk about what's going on behind closed doors, and therefore they just leave it behind certain media outlets to speak on certain manners, but it's not really being talked about as consistently. Um, uh, that's why um. 
with people that I do know that actually do work, uh, uh, that actually do work uh, behind closed doors um, in the business of boxing. They actually do um, expose like the certain natures of like what people do in conducting bad um, business um, relationships. And I think that's uh, the main issue that a lot of people don't tend to see. Mm. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm with a great manager. Um, and I think he he's one of the few that is amazing and looks after your boxes and want the best for them. Um, so it's all about being surrounded by the right team, right? Um, but it's really hard. Like you can't say who's good, who's bad. Like everyone has their own experience. You can't point it out just for what you hear in social media, because it's both ways. Sometimes boxers uh, have a great manager, but then they they just don't give what they need to give to the manager itself, you know. And that's when all the drama starts too. So it's both ways: the team that surrounds you and the work that you put on. So yeah, it's a very complicated, hard, beautiful business, boxing. I love it. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to say, I think like I think it would be a better idea if boxing was kind of like marketized in a sense where, you know, lease came uh, came together. And I think like, you know, it, um, like instead of having, you know, sanctioned bodies trying to uh, determine, you know, competition and, and uh, matchmaking, I think tournaments would be a lot better. Because at least that way, you're always staying active. You're always getting, you know, like the best fights being given to the uh, um, to the fans. And at least that way, that gets um, your marketability up a lot faster. And I think that would definitely play like a better role as far as like, you know, let's just say, for example, um, if you're really that good and I really like supporting you, um, why can't I donate my money to your tournaments or to anything that you are being sponsored with or anything to that manner? Like, give us fans, you know, our power to vote with our dollar. So therefore, we can give you, uh, the fighter, uh, the product of what you're selling. That's basically what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really good idea, especially because um, the sport of uh, the, the sport of boxing, it's based on the fans. Like if we can make you guys follow us and fall in love with the sport and with the work that we do, then yeah, you should be able to support us any way that is possible. That's very true. It's a very good idea. <laughs> yeah, um, I was also going to talk about your boxing style. Like, what type of style do you consider yourself having? Do you do you have like a boxer puncher style, pure boxer brawler? <laughs> I, to be honest, I started as a brawler. Um, I'm very, so I'm very calm before jumping in the ring, but I feel like as soon as I jump in the ring, that's it. I go blind and it's like, come on. I just want to punch you really, really hard <laughs> and drop you. Uh, but obviously having a great coach, um, such as Ben Zava, he has control the aggression and put it in a good place where I can be a universal boxer in the sense that if sometimes I have to box, um, if I have to box, I just, I can box because I got now the skills to do it. I can make you miss, I can make you pay. Whereas sometimes I can be so aggressive that I can corner you and find my way to stop you. So I am aggressive and obviously I also because I'm sure for my weight, it's really hard for a short person 
to fight long range or, you know, or moving. And No, because you're never going to attack them. You're never going to get where you need to. As a small boxer, you always have to be as close as the your opponent as possible to make things happen. So I do consider myself as like an aggressive boxer. I got great power, but I also can box on long range and yeah, different. Yeah, because I was going to say, honestly, you box more of like a boxer puncher, but you seem to be throwing more technical shots. And honestly, like I'd like to see that up against, you know, great competition, because yeah. I know that's going to bother a lot of, you know, top, you know, top tier opponents one day. And um, yeah. I think like the biggest, I think like the biggest thing that I like about women's boxing is that females tend to take more risks on the inside, but compared to men's boxing, a lot of guys don't want to be hitting each other like that. Cause it's like, for instance, with like a guy like Deontay Wilder, like nobody's not going to out dog Deontay Wilder. Yeah. If he's actually going to like throw, you know, like a really tough shot at you. And, and yeah. that could be said, you know, with guys like Errol Spence or Gervonta Davis, or just like anybody that's like really like, like very smart on the inside to actually load up their shots. But for female yeah. boxing, that's completely different because like I'd be seeing some female matches where ladies are like throwing like 50, 60 punches around, uh, but it looks like that um, they're not even um, getting hurt. So like, I just find yeah. that really, um, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like everyone knows the body, body composition of females are different from men. Right. Like that's why, men naturally have more power. So you can see a boxer on the same weight division as my weight division, and they will knock out people. But that I don't think it's because of the time frame that we have. It's just we hit different. We hit different, even as strong as we can. Um, we still had some, like, it's not lack of power. It's just that ability to punched with so much on it but that's why we end up throwing way more punches and um, it depends also on the weight divisions like as you said down to world he's gonna knock out anyone how they super heavy tyson fury like they're huge all those fights you know a knockout is coming um so it's just it's slightly different i think um and also we just started, women start competing more often. So you have the opportunity to perfection your style as we go. But yeah, it's just slightly different. Yeah, um, I was also um, uh, going to add in without the point with the uh, two minute round uh, situation too, because I do believe like, you know, even at a three minute level, um, women would still throw more, but they would have to be smarter throwing you know the uh, punch more because i think on a stamina level you know like that mindset is more normalized in the sense of like okay i got two minutes on the clock so therefore i'm I'm going to throw as much as i can but if that was three minutes then that wouldn't happen because it's like you know that stamina is going to play like a huge factor late game where somebody who is um who is prepared to go you know the distance you know going three minute rounds compared to two minute rounds they could easily outtire you and try to find ways to tire you out to potentially knock you out or just make you yeah. slow down. And I think that's like, I think that should be normalized more where let the fighters don't 
you know, just automatically go in thinking like, oh, well, you know, my only best chance is to just throw punches and bunches because this is boxing. It's not knockouts. So it's like that's how boxing fights should be. It should be a chess match, you know, leading to the point until somebody breaks. Correct. Yeah, that that's very true. And especially, for example, if MMA has the same rules, male and female, why doesn't happen in boxing? Um, I understand, for example, I was listening to the uh, CEO of the, the WBC um, manager, and he was saying that the studies had shown that the neck structure of uh, the female neck structure is different. Therefore, the concussions has um, is more risk for women, right? And also in regards to our period uh, phases. So that's why they know approving the three minutes, 12 rounds. Um, I, I agree with what he's saying in the sense that he is taking on board the studies. Um, he's also saying that nobody has ever come with a real study saying, look, women, yes, it are safe to fight three minutes for 12 rounds. So as a, as a boxer, I agree. I can do it. Like, we all can do it. I know because we boxers and we have that mentality of winning and we can do everything, you know. Um, but the sanctions are there to keep us safe. So I would love to see a real study on what's the difference why can we not go 12 three minute rounds yeah well i think as far as that goes like i i wouldn't really want to agree with that because that the thing was is like if boxing alone was already dangerous getting into it originally where you know before the boxing club was ever to be innovated to the world you know primarily fighters were mainly fighting bare knuckle And, you know, even in, in today's standard with uh, BKFC and all the other promotional platforms out there globally, bare knuckle fighting is, is very dangerous on both men. And, and, yeah, uh, like, um, yeah, both male and female fights. So as far as taking damage goes, you're always going to get hit. And I think mm -hmm. you know, for boxing, you know, it's the same thing because it's like you yeah. signed up to take that risk to go the full distance. So it's like, why yeah. are, are you going to make a double standard that women could potentially die more than men? Because if that's true, right. why not see it now in, in two minute fights where females are taking damage? Because that's clearly yeah. not backing up enough science to say that females are, are taking more punishment compared to men because there's plenty of guys that won't go. 12 rounds because one they probably have certain medical conditions that could possibly you know hurt them later on in the future and on top of that not many guys will actually be built for that and that's why very you know few fighters uh, could actually go 12 rounds but a uh, point is is that you know sports are sports and men and women should be going the same you know equal you know distance so i just think like as far as yeah yeah like i Like, personally, like, I just think, like, as far as me, you know, putting my money as a fan to go see those type of, like, events in person, I think I should be given the fair, equal justice to see the same distance being applied for basketball, football, boxing, hockey. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Why is, the, is boxing the only one that it's different? You When you go a 100-meter race... 
it's a hundred meters. It's not different from women. The difference is that you compete against other women. The, the time might be not the same, but it's the same hundred meters. It's the same marathon. It's no, it's not 41, 42 kilometers for men and 35 for women, you know, it's 42 kilometers. That's a race. Um, so I, it, you're completely right. I don't know what's the difference. We're competing against women. So, yes, we can do 12 three-minute rounds. It's the same in MMA, bare knuckle, any sport, kickboxing, kickboxing as well. That's super dangerous, and they're still doing it. Like, why do you get to the point? And if you're, and if your argument is what you're saying, that the studies then choice, show us the other way around. You can't just say it's this one only. What about this one? He has to show both. Yeah. Yeah, I was also going to even argue about the why the, why the um, weight cutting too for weight classes because um, boxing boxing in principle was never supposed to have that um, never supposed to have that many weight classes and in, in today's uh, climate for boxing, there's more weight classes that are here now compared to in the past like there weren't that many weight classes especially for men's too because um as far as you know what the weight cutting process like that does lead to a massive risk for potential short-term or long-term injuries where you know you're sucking off a lot of your natural nutrients you know to cut you know weight and therefore that poses a high risk for the fight to potentially harm you more so i think like that needs to be, you know, corrected a lot better. So therefore, fighters are automatically healthy coming in. So there's no more injuries that could pose a higher risk heading into the future. Yeah, 100%. But then there's a lot of fake nutritionists, fake dietitians that they just think that we are back in the days when you used to eat just salad and then that's how you cut weight which is how I started, to be honest. When I, my first fights were as an amateur, I'm 156 centimeters tall. And when I started, I fought at 60 kilos. So that's that's not right. <laughs> um, so then my coach is saying, you have to go down to 51. I was like, what, are you crazy? And we started slowly. We started fighting at 56, then 54. And then I started competing at 51, but that 51 kilos weight cut was, I was doing it wrong. The way that back in the day used to do, like not eating enough, no carbs and just salads and things like that. And now there's a lot of nutritionists, like um, dietitians that it teaches you the right way. Uh, first of all, as a female, depending on your body, uh, your body composition, your muscles and everything, do it with the study so you can do a professional weight cut. Yeah, no, just don't eat. Yeah, um, that's a really good point that you put out. Um, I used to wrestle back in high school and at least for wrestling, um, especially at the college and Olympic level, I think and possibly high school um you have to weigh in the same day there's no like day before mm -hmm. weigh-in and yeah, the yeah. bad thing you know like about it is like you know especially with like mma 
I don't like that a lot of these like fighters that I see from MMA, they're like getting in sauna suits and getting into like all these ice water cold baths just to cut like 20 pounds within like a couple of days. And I'm like, dude, like, that's not smart. And that will like automatically kill you like um like if something bad happens but i know for wrestling at least like wrestling is actually very safe with the um weight cutting process because uh, the weight classes um actually do give you a um i think they give you like a grace period weight of like i think at least five pounds if i'm not mistaken but yep. that's when you make weight because after you weigh in you're going to wrestle anyway so therefore that rehydration is going to benefit you in the match versus doing it day before because um what i tend to see with a lot of fighters now is that they're having uh, they're having to do all these crazy um like um weight cutting tricks in order to make weight day before and that's putting their body at much bigger risk come fight night because you're not naturally you know, utilizing the right nutritions to get your body healthy uh, for the day of, of your fight or match. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's really true. But um, as I mentioned before, for example, in Australia, um, we have the fight dietitian. Um, he's doing a fantastic job with uh, professional boxers, with um, MMA professional fighters, and at the same time, he's also they, it's, a, it's a team, obviously. They're also teaching everyone around the world um, what the right wake up, what to do, what not to do. Um, and that's what you need. You really need people that have knowledge on wake ups, not just a normal nutritionist, like a, I don't know, bodybuilder. It's completely different what your body needs, you know? And uh, I'm, I'm guilty because I was that person that I thought I knew. And I went to a nutritionist that he helped the bodybuilders to look lean and healthy. But it's a completely different sport. I'm explosive. I need to recover faster. Um, so all, as the, all those key elements is like the nutritionists and dietitians need to keep on it. And the prolong of your career, obviously, because you get hit in the head. It's not just one fight, right? I had, for example, now I have like 60 fights altogether and I'm speaking clearly. I'm still sparring. I've got no injuries, but just because I've been looked after that part of my body to prolong my career, no create any damage for the future. Yeah, I think that's like uh, that needs to be implemented a lot more because honestly, like people don't know how fighters are nutritionally taking care of their bodies. So therefore, I do believe, you know, for these certain fights where you hear like a fighter potentially dying or just getting hurt real bad after like a fight, that's really due to what's going on behind closed doors, because yeah. I think it's due to yeah, um, I think it's due to the team that's handling their careers to have them go through all these crazy trials and oh. tribulations of cutting weight. And I think yeah. that's why if you if you just experimented having weight cuts, well, like weigh in days to be made for day of your match, I think you would see less of that, uh, like less of that issue compared to yeah, what you see yeah. now. Because that that's when people get scared of the sport. Like why you as a parent when you're child or you're young to go and 
fight when what you see is people like almost fainting on the way brain damage uh, you know a lot of and death like but that's not how the sport works the sport doesn't work that way it's the same that a coach needs to look after the athlete not all the time sparring if you're getting hit too much like it's it's a lot behind the scenes so it's not just that hmm. yeah um i uh, like i just think like as far as where things are at now boxing would be way better if it was more marketized where you know you have like the right you know uh services out there that fighters can go to because um i actually like what the um i um I actually like what the ufc is doing for their fighters um i actually spoke with uh, claudia uh Gadella in the past um on my youtube channel and i think she's a nutritionist director if i'm not mistaken but mm-hmm. i do know that um the ufc they have like these centers uh i think it's like like i think it's like a nutritional weight cut center but basically what they have is that they have these certain um uh services that they give out in certain locations where they measure how like um they measure how much body fat that you have and how much weight that you can cut and therefore they give you certified weight and actually um that's what i actually had to go through back in high school um up in upstate new york up in uh cliff and park uh because i'm from albany but i went to school up in uh, Cliff and, uh, Cliff and Park, um, up in the Saratoga region, but my school, uh, they actually measured how much body fat that you can trim, and therefore they measure it by your height, so therefore, um, if I'm like six feet tall, and I'm naturally supposed to be 190 pounds, um, like, I'll just like put that number down, like, like on average, like, you're supposed to be at that weight class, and, you know, be around that range, not go anywhere over it to to go down so i think like that's where you know that idea could be good for boxing so therefore that will prevent less injuries that will get rid of weight classes that shouldn't need to be there because i don't want to be paying no like like personally for me like i don't want to be paying for a fight where i see some guy you know weighing in at like 112 when i know that most guys don't look like that on average and it's like why do I need to see some guy almost passing out at the weigh-in and then he looks, you know, absolutely garbage, you know, on fight night. So, like, I just think, yeah, yeah, I just think that needs to be, you know, called out more and be consolidated because I want to see people compete at the highest level and not, you know, have my money wasted to see somebody get hurt. Yeah, but that's happening a lot lately um, where you can see online that people are, um talking more about these experiences because you cannot guess just by looking at someone you don't know what the the background the health background is so you, coaches can't do that anymore like before it was like yeah, yeah 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 you you have fight here fight there yeah but it's not because i eat wrong or i'm not doing the right things <clears throat> it's just how my body maybe looks or can be at or how the healthiest I will perform to prolong my life as a as a professional fighter. So yeah, yeah. A lot of people is exposing this a lot. And the more we talk about, it, I think the safer it will become. Yeah. Um I wanted to switch subjects and talk about like 
you know, your career, like, as far as venues go, like, where would you want to headline one day if you got that opportunity to main event at the biggest stage? Um, I would love to headline in Australia, to be honest. Um, Australia's boxing is growing massively um, in terms of female and male boxing. Um, so I think it's a great place to headline like Tim Sue is doing, like um, George Cambosis has done it here. Um, that's the way to make it grow as much as it's growing in, as big as it's in America, as big as it's in England um, or Mexico. Like they, they box all the time, headlines, fans around the world speaking about boxing. I think we are tad behind and being part of that growing, of that growth um, would be amazing. It would be Australia. But obviously you want to be part of Matchroom, you want to be to brand, you want to show your skills on that level. But um, I would love to be part of a, a huge car in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, like I want to see here um, um, in America, you know, sometime soon, yeah, uh, if you get it. If you could ever come here to Florida, like at least come out to Tampa at the Hard Rock Casino or go to Orlando at the Caribe Royale or maybe the Amway Center or even fight at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium. I'll pay money for that. Um, I'm just not going out to Miami that many times because Miami is just, you know, a little bit too expensive for me. But, um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, because I was also going to say, like, I would like to see, you know, um, other venues for you, like Madison Square Garden or, you know, Los Angeles, California, or, you know, down in Texas or even Vegas, too. Yeah, that that's obviously, that's where you dream of fighting. Yeah, Madison Square Garden is <laughs> just, just a dream, of course. Um, getting there, getting there. Um, now I'm just trying to look for the uh, world title fighting against um, Adeline Mussini. Um, yeah, there's a lot of flight weight. At the moment, Marlene Esparza is holding all the belts, which is fair enough. She's really amazing. She's really good. She fought really well. Um, so hopefully I can get hold of, of that fight at some point. Yeah, speaking of your division, um, like I don't think a lot of talent is like actually really that um, dangerous in that division, but like I want to see you uh, fight um, that one girl that that just fought Marlon as far as like Gabrielle like Alanis. I think I think that's a really good fight. Yeah, it's um, she's a good fight, but they're going for the rematch at the moment, so you have to wait. <clears throat> you have to wait. Yeah. You have to wait. In patience is just there. My I'm lucky. My manager is actually working on all this because um, I wanted to fight for the IBF, um, but now she has a fight coming up. So just be patient, be patient. My moment is coming, <clears throat> but I'm targeting, obviously, the top, um, the tall flightway female boxers. Yeah, I know um, Gabriela Fandora, she's fighting Arelli Monsino uh, come I October know. 21st. I, I've been looking, I was behind Arelli Monsino. I've been like, me, like my manager has been working to get that fight, and then this happened first. I'm like, Ugh. but I'm happy to fight either of them. The winner of that fight, 
I'm on it. Like I'm, I'm more than ready to fight any of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I really hate about these uh, sanctioned body rankings because um, I'll even use like a great example, like for Teofimo Lopez um, um, when he lost to uh, George Cambosos and he decided to move up to 140. Um, I saw that uh, I saw that the that the uh, WBO actually bumped him to the number two or number three ranked fighter, and he didn't even have like a fight yet. But then when he fought that one guy, Pedro Campa, if I'm not mistaken, um, he was automatically, you know, uh, being given like a shot to Josh Taylor after beating Sandor Martin. And I was like, like, how does that make any sense? Because it's like, you know, these ranking systems don't even go by like a numerical order to say that the number one needs to fight the number two and then, you know, so on and so forth. So it's just like a broken system. That's that's one of the the sad things that boxing is doing wrong. Like, for example, um, when you see the MMA fights, there is top five, um, if I'm not wrong, to five to ten, and they all fight each other. Like, if you want to be part of the day, if you want to be the head, you have to fight any of the main ones. And that's how it works. That's how you get to the top. Whereas in boxing, unfortunately, um, who is your promoter? Who is your manager? Money, this and that, not just what rank you're at. Um, but things are changing. Like, I think everyone is arguing this and we all want to find a fair way where if you're at the top, you should be fighting at the top. Like, you know, that's that's only fair. But it's coming. I think it's coming. Yeah, because I was going to add in with uh, tournaments and boxing. Um, if you had a setup where, let's just say, you know, if you want to claim to be the best, you have to be in tournaments. So us fans, we're going to vote with our dollar to make sure that you will always be considered the best when you're knocking everybody off in the tournament. So, you know, every time you win the tournament, you should be given a championship slot to be like, okay, I won this tournament. So therefore heading into the next tournament, I'm already at the top of what the chain and everybody else yeah. has to beat each other out in order to get to the top. And at yeah. least that way, like, like that way, it makes your marketability better because every opponent that you fight is a top top fighter that yep. didn't do good in the last tournament. So if they try to avoid you in, in the next and up like like next tournament, they automatically get knocked off. And it should be set up where you know notoriety is settled around the tournament structure, where every tournament that you win, it automatically increases your marketability and the yeah. uh, function of you getting you know more expansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's how it should be. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, I was going to ask a final question. Like, what's your end goal for boxing when it's all said and done? Uh, when I finished? Yes. Or before? <laughs> um, oh, just coaching. To be honest, <laughs> um, I I enjoy that part too. Um, I do some. I had a few amateur boxes, um, so I really love teaching. Um, I feel like teaching keeps you grounded because 
as a boxer, you always sometimes you don't have the skills of enjoying a win. What happens, like for example, my last fight, I won my WBC Australian WBA Ocean Pacific. Great fight, stoppage, like, but I didn't, I, I didn't enjoy that moment. I was already thinking, okay, where, what's next? Where, where can I get the next fight? How can I get to the world title? Whereas when you're coaching, even when you take them to the ring for the first fight, the happiness they have when they win, and it's just the first fight, and they have, they are as happy as when you started. So. Um, coaching is really good, keeps you grounded, love teaching people, new generations, um, just to give my best for the sport. Um, so that's the plan, just keep coaching afterwards. Yeah, um, I was actually going to add in with that, uh, comparable to wrestling, uh, that's how I felt when I first uh, got into wrestling in high school, because um, it felt boring at first, but then once I got really good at it, it naturally you know, clicks on with you, but I, uh, but I do believe as far as like a professional sense in boxing, like, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, struggling, you know, to the mind, you know, once you get to that point of losing your dedication to it. And I think there needs to be more higher motivators to, um, create more financial incentives to give fighters, you know, that post-career mindset to say, this is what I want to do after I'm done, because I'll even use the NBA as a, um, as a great example. You see tons of NBA players, you know, going out of their way, giving back to, uh, to, uh, to the community and creating multiple different avenues where, you know, children are being inspired by them. And I feel like that's what boxing needs because yeah. boxing would easily be number one if fighters actually had that financial uh, support to um, uh, basically advise fighters to invest their money early. And then by the time when they're done, they could have those like organizations built up like under their name where, you know, it's just not about promoting fighters. Like, like, like it's about getting, uh, getting the next generation of children and, you know, other younger audiences together. Yeah. Yeah. That's hundred percent true. Like for example, um, I'm always dream of going back home and open a gym where I can help young kids without resources. Because at, in Colombia, there's a point that some of the kids don't have even for breakfast. Um, so giving the opportunity of them to be disciplined in the sport, such as boxing, but at the same time help them provide some food, some discipline, some guidance, because that's when violence and other things come because they don't have any anything to look forward to so i would love that to open just a like a community center to help in colombia with boxing yeah um i just wish that boxing was like collaborated with like like other sports because like for example like like let's just say if the nba if they really collaborated with boxing like that would easily be massive like if you had teams that came with other boxing stables where you actually expanded your name uh, like along with like teams that are going out there helping children that would be awesome yeah. because one that gets you more exposure but two it actually brings like a much wider like wider inspiration where you actually have children that are looking up to you rather than just trying to appeal to a certain um, fan base for people to like you. And I think like, yeah. you know, 
I think like the marketability of like recruiting the younger minds is like the bigger, you know, aspect, you know, to grow, you know, uh, yeah, the sport. What's of the few problems at the top? Like when they're at the top, they just want to show their money, their houses, the amazing life they have. Instead of like, look, I create this for this community. I raise this, I create this promotion. I'm helping 10 kids to get out of poverty and show them discipline uh, and to that there is a future. It's a completely different world where we're at, but if a few of us can change that, that's amazing. That's that's the first step, to be honest. Yeah, because like, um, I just think that just makes a lot better sense. And at least that way, you know, uh, for everything that people can contribute to in principle, it just makes it like a much bigger future for the end goal. Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I agree. All right. Um, I think that's about it. Like, I had a great time talking with you. Uh, um, if you got any final words, um, you know, go for it. <laughs> no, just um, to anyone that who wants to see my career, just follow me on Instagram. Um, working really hard towards a, a big goal. Things, a big announcer is coming up, so I'm really excited. And I can wait to show my skills um, and where I can get. So, nah. Nothing. Keep following boxing. Enjoy the journey and stay fit. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, yeah, like Ali, uh, um, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, like I like to have you on again soon, and uh, just keep me updated with your next up and coming fight. I'll share everything around, and uh, you know, um, hope everything's well in Australia. So. <laughs> Beautiful country. <laughs> All great. Nice sign at the moment, so yeah, amazing. Alrighty, um, I appreciate right. having you on. So I will see you later. Thank you so much for having me, I'll see you around. Bye. Right. I'll see you. Thank you. All right, y'all. Um, that was Viviana uh, Ruiz. Um, very good fighter. Please go check her out. Uh, I'll upload these clips onto my Instagram and I'll also upload it to the podcast. So hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, be sure to like, rate, comment, subscribe, do what y'all got to do. And um, yeah, shout out to the family and I will see you guys later. Here's the outro. And before I get to that, let me talk with Teach. Salute K-Rest, salute Gas. Thank you. Salute to Teach. Salute to Bruce Gas um, or Bruce Gas Boxing Jazz and more. Um, thank you for coming by. And uh, T says your fighters fight at their weight class. Uh, I would assume Nate. Um, I would assume natural weight class. Yeah, I would like personally. Like, I would like to see it. I just think it should just be consolidated where fighters are fighting in, you know, naturally, so they're not having to damage themselves in the future. And then on top of that, I think same day weigh-ins would also play a better factor too, just to promote better health for the fighters as well. And T said the business of boxing. Yeah, uh, that was a good point that um, uh, Viviana brought up, you know, um, within the previous uh, segments of the show. But, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed. Be sure to like, rate, comment, subscribe, do what you got to do. I'll uh, put her social media down below in the comments. And, yeah, thank you guys. 
uh, for um, watching the show. And here's the outro. I'll see you guys later. Peace. Bye.